Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Executive Minister Matt Mazza. At Greenville Oaks, we believe that life with Jesus is truly abundant. We are committed to showing people the grace of God, inspiring them to follow Jesus, and empowering them to live according to His teachings. Because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. We need you. And you need the church. We We need you. And you need the church. We need you. And you need the church. I'm all in. We're all in. I'm all in. We're all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. Are you all in? 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 Well, welcome back to week two of the series. I'm all in. Last week, we talked about the first value, which was love first. I told you I was going to ask. So did you? Did you do it? I did. It was harder than I thought. I took an extra day before I made the phone call. I met with a lot of people last week, and they're all probably wondering, were they my love first person? Um, Maybe you were. But I did it. And it was really, really good. It was really humbling. And really, really powerful to step out and to put aside and to separate and to just see a person and to love. So it was a great conversation. I hope we'll have more. But it was a first step. That's all I'm asking. If you didn't get a chance to do it this week, I would still love to invite you and challenge you to do it again this week, to love first. But we are in a series that we are looking at what God is doing within Greenville Oaks, collectively as a body of believers, and then individually with each of us. What is God calling us to in regards to the mission and the vision and the values that he has laid before this church? We're basically hitting the restart button. That's what I said last week. We're restarting all over again with calling this church to be what God is wanting it to be. And I want to remind you of the missional story. And that is this. God has given us an ambition to work hard, to be successful, to flourish. But anything to an extreme can become a detriment. And the reality of it is we find ourselves in a society that is chasing after more and more and more and yet still feeling as unfulfilled as ever. The reality of it is, is you won't find what you're looking for outside of Jesus Christ. 
And so we want to be a church in Collin County that says the only thing that's going to satisfy your hunger for more is the abundant life found in Jesus Christ. We want to be a church that our vision is to help people trade that pursuit of whatever it is that they're going for, which we believe is artificial success, and trade it in for an abundant life in Jesus Christ. And we see that happening through relationships, through mentoring, through coaching, through the connections that we have in our lives throughout our community to walk with people on a journey for ourselves to be able to share our experience in coming to fully embrace the idea of the abundant life in Jesus and then helping others see, not because we've got it all figured out because we're perfect, because we don't, but because we have been there, we have fallen on our faces, we have stumbled and we have struggled, and yet we continue to get back up because we're believers in Jesus Christ. That's the influence we want to have on them. This is not coming out of a a perfection of we've got it figured out. Come join us. It is I'm struggling too, but let's do it together. Church, it's both incredibly complicated and very, very simple. What God has called us to do. And so each week, I'm going to keep asking the same question. Are you all in? Will you help us do this? Will you step into a role of being willing to be vulnerable and transparent and honest and authentic about who you are, what you have struggled with, and then walk out into the world and say, I'm not perfect, but I believe the best way of life can only be found in Jesus Christ. That's the challenge for all of us this morning. And the three things that I'm going to keep reminding you about each week is to this, please be willing to serve. Please be willing to participate. And please be willing to give to help this church be what God is wanting it to be. The video keeps saying it. We need you. We need you. We need you. And we believe that you need the church. And together, We will be what Christ desired it to be when he established it on this earth. I've got some friends that are going to be coming up and joining me, um, just like we did last week, uh, having a conversation about our second value this morning. Last week was love first. This week is equipping families. The second value that we seek to uphold and live out in this church is equipping families. So I want to remind you of those five values. Love first, equipping families. Next week, we're going to talk about combating isolation and demonstrating selflessness. Combating isolation, demonstrating selflessness. Maybe at no other time in our world's history have those two conversations been more essential and more necessary. So come back next week and be a part of that conversation. And then the final week, celebrating transformation. So those are the five values. We're going to continue to keep um, pushing forward through this series, I'm All In. But this week, equipping families, here's the, uh, here's the description of that value. As families grow in Jesus together, we serve as a partner coming alongside them to support, encourage, 
and equip. So, here's my first question to my panel. This is Morgan Pirtle. Morgan and her family have been around here for 14 or 15 years. Morgan's got a cheering section. That's wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. We'll see if Wes gets any applause. Wes Raspberry, student minister. Oh, look at there. Look at there. You're loved. Uh, Michelle Barrick, who's on our staff, works in our children's ministry, and the one and only Samantha Campbell. Um, uh, these three specifically work in our family ministry, uh, guide and lead and help push forward all the great works that happen in regards to our family ministry. And Morgan's a part of our student ministry and so blessed to have her and, and her family uh, a part of this church as well. So, okay, I want to ask the question, but here's the thing. I get the value of love first, loving people. I get the value of reconciling relationships. I get the value of helping um, do for others beyond self. I, I get the idea of celebrating transformation. All those seem like really easy concepts to understand as far as something I want to value. Help me understand what it means when we say one of our values is equipping families. I'll go first. Uh, I think that family um, is kind of the design of God, right? When we look at the Bible, uh, people are made in families. Uh, people are uh, raised up in families. Um, even our Trinity, two of the three parts, are father and son. Um, so family is, is essential to the design of the way that God created us. And even if um, you aren't a part of a traditional family, you still come from a family of some sort, and you have a family of some sort. So family is really essential to how we are created. From the time our kids walk in the doors and um, go into the nursery, that's part of showing our kids who Jesus is. So um, we start there. We move on up to elementary and then on into high school. And what we want them to do is we want them to know who Jesus is, but equipping those kids from the time they walk in the door, show them who Jesus is so that they will know who Jesus is when they leave. Hmm. I think it's also important to add that, I mean, if you look at the community we live in, it's Family USA, as we call it, and in Collin County, almost 80% of individuals live as family units or households. So it's it's the makeup of where we live. It, it would be, I think I can go so far as to say, it would be ignorant of us as a community of faith in Collin County to not recognize um, that the nuclear concept of a family unit is not a significant part of our particular community. That may not be reflective in every community around, but it is in the one that we that we live in, for sure. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this next question, but before I do, I want to read, I want to read a quote from N.T. Wright uh, from his book, Simply Christian. Listen to these words, and then I'd love your thoughts on it. The church is the single multi-ethnic family promised by the Creator God to Abraham. It was brought into being through Jesus. It was called to bring the transformative news of God's rescuing justice to the whole creation. How does that idea of church and family strike you? Family doesn't have to be your family unit of two parents and two and a half kids. There are multiple ways of having um, family. And just speaking from someone with three kids, um, the people that have spoken into who my kids are at a 
in our community, um, not just our community of faith, but our whole community. They've made a difference, and I I consider them my family, Mm. people that have spoken into who my kids are, who I am today. Um, Many years ago, Sandy O'Dell took me in and taught me how to teach a class, a two-year-old class in one of these rooms right over here. Um, She taught me before I even had even thought of teaching a class. Uh, Fast forward, I have people like Marty O'Rear, who gave me leadership opportunities and and places to use my gifts and talents. Those people are part of my family now. They've mentored me. Mm. So I want, I know that our kids feel the same way Mm. as what I felt all these years through all these different people that have spoken into who I am today. Mm. That's good. Very good. I definitely think N.T. Wright was saying that the church is a family, Mm. and it's a family with a calling to share this news about the transformative power of Jesus. Um, so, and like Samantha was saying, this family can also be defined in a more broad way than just a nuclear family. Mm-hmm. It's your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, but your friends, your village of people mm-hmm. that support you. Um, and we can take that outside the walls of the church. Beautiful. I'll just share from a personal standpoint. Um, Kylie and I don't have family except for, you know, two, three hours away uh, or more. Uh, my family lives in Illinois. Hers is in Houston. I have some sisters in Texas. But um, because of that, we've had to rely on people who aren't necessarily our family, uh, people in this church, uh, people um, that, that we've had to rely on, right? Because we don't have those connections that are close uh, physically yeah. um, from our own family unit. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I think it's so important that we not lose sight of the inclusive, comprehensive aspect of what God refers to as family, because it's real easy to just get focused in on mom and dad and kids. Um, and the reality is the family is so much bigger. The equipping and the encouraging, the walking alongside the journey of life is so much bigger. We are all a part of that in one form or another. Uh, if you'll allow me, listen just a moment as I read some words from Deuteronomy 6. Um, we're all probably familiar with these words. We reference them a lot. But, but, uh, but listen to these words, and then I want to ask the question, the why question, guys. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, And their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. Drop down to verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. So with those words as a, as a context setter, why is this so important? Why do we do this? I think a lot of times, um, maybe even unintentionally, we relegate um, baptism as the end of a journey for us as Christians. Like that's the final marker, and then we are fully developed um, but I think if we really look at it, uh, even if we look at the life of Jesus, baptism was at the beginning of his ministry. 
Um, and then he went and continued to do things and continued to serve and continued to grow. I think that the challenge for us as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, is to always strive to continue to grow. Always. Um, not just until we get baptized, but even after that. Um, and I think that it's especially true in our families. I think uh, studies show that that children will raised to the lowest bar of spirituality that we set for them, right? So if we say, hey, baptism is the goal, they're going to maybe get baptized, and that's it. Mm. But if we continue to challenge ourselves to grow as a family, as parents, as individuals, then we continue to see stronger, more developed, more faithful, Mm. more spiritual families. Mm. Wow. Don't miss that, church, the idea of setting the bar, because our kids and all of us will meet whatever that bar that we set is, no matter how high or how low it is. That's great. Uh, Morgan, you have a, you have a thought? Um, yeah, well, I've quite literally grown up in the church, like all the way from preschool up to where I am now in the youth group. And People around me have had such an impact on me, like adults from whether they were teaching in my Bible class to leading small groups, and those people have really had such an impact on me, like people like the Foxes, um, Kelsey and Larry. I know they've had an impact on me in small groups and youth group along with so many others, and I just think it's so important for um, us to have adults that we can go to mm-hmm. and turn to. And like we like to say... Um, we think it's important for every kid or teen or really anyone to have like five mentors or people they can turn to or trust. And I think adults leading in the ministries here, that has really helped me and so many others with that. So Morgan, when you say five people, you're, you're saying that you, you believe that it's really important that you've got five people around you, a part of your life speaking into it. Yeah, like people that are older or mentors, people that aren't my parents that I know I can still mm. turn to and trust that I know they will help me with whatever I'm going through. That's great. Good stuff. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Um, either one of you two have a thought to add on to that? Anything you'd add? I was just going to say, you know, from the scripture you read in Deuteronomy, it feels so clear that God is is instructing us. Yeah. Like this is part of, of our commandment. What we do is impress this on our children's hearts, on our own hearts, um, and be a part of leading and discipling all the generations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Samantha's got something to say. I have something too. But doesn't it just speak into exactly what our vision is? Our vision is training up um, thousands to be disciples and mentoring them. I mean, that is literally what is written in our words that we want. So it's exactly tying back to what Deuteronomy 6 says. Yeah. So that brings me to kind of the final question, and that is the how. So how do we go about doing this? It's real pretty that we've got this great idea. We've got these words in Deuteronomy. We've got this challenge and opportunity to walk alongside, to grow, to mentor, um, to impress upon. Uh, generation after generation, and the, the church's role in that, the family's role in that. Um, but here's the bottom line. How do we do it? How do we move it from pretty words on a piece of paper to actually doing it? It makes me think of uh, when Tim and I came to Greenville Oaks almost 18 years ago now, which is hard to believe. 
um, we had people invite us to be a part of the family, and we wanted to be. Um, I remember Sandy Nonnenmacher, um, later Marty O'Rear, inviting me to teach Bible class. Mm. And the wonderful thing is that she didn't just throw me in there because I felt very unqualified. Mm. Um, and I'm kind of an introvert, so it wasn't really my, my forte, but, um, I answered that calling, that invitation, and they walked alongside me and taught me. So in a way, they were discipling me. And it's kind of come full circle because I feel like as I've begun working with um, youth and the teens, we're discipling them to lead children, too, and lead others around them. So being a small group leader with teens like Morgan, I mean, it's so fulfilling um, I've gained all these relationships with people younger than and older than me, and I've really had a chance to dig deeper mm-hmm. in my own faith and in the scriptures and, and grow more with Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think quite literally, um, we provide resources. Um, we provide um, opportunities for um, parents to dig in with their with their kids and for kids to dig in. Um, in different ways in small groups or classes or whatever, um, retreats like we were on last weekend. Um, but I think even more so we provide spaces and opportunities for, um, both parents or non-parents, adults, uh, and students to serve and to lead. Um, again, back to growing. I think that's, that's kind of the goal of us as people, as Christians. Um, but I found in my own life when I make myself uncomfortable, by pushing myself to serve in a different way than maybe I feel equipped to, I grow the most. And I think that's a little bit to what Michelle is talking about. Um, maybe stepping out a little bit more outside of, outside of my comfort zone. Um, I feel like I grow the most in those, those opportunities. Um, but I'll let Morgan speak to this a little further, but we, we provide opportunities for our students even to lead and disciple other younger kids. Yeah, this summer we were given so many opportunities to lead kids, whether it was on Sunday morning, Bible classes, small groups, or leading day camp. Like, the majority of the people working day camp were teens from the youth group, which I think is so cool. But um, we've had so many opportunities to grow up with people leading us and then in turn helping them lead, and then finally being able to lead on our own. And I think they've done a great job with that, of setting up a strong foundation for us to be able to do that on our own. Like whether, again, like I said, leading Bible class on Sundays, like that was something so fun that we got to do on our own. And I think that's just so cool to help mentor and lead these younger kids that are going to become great leaders one day too. I love that our students are leading the way in doing this church. Because if you were to step into our children's ministry, our student ministry, our family ministry this past summer or in, in the past couple years, you would see the mission and the vision of this church being lived out in our student ministry and our children's ministry. These kids are sitting down and having faith forming, life changing, discipling conversations with our kids. They're pouring in the time and the energy. They're sacrificing things that they could be doing to be doing this. So maybe we all need to take notice of what our students are leading us in. Samantha, anything you want to add before we wrap up? I love seeing what our teens are doing during the summer. And many of those teens that are pouring into our kids 
there are also the teens that were participants um, mm. many years ago. Mm. Now they're leaders. And isn't that what we want? We want to partner with parents. We want to partner with kids and teens. We, but we want to partner with parents in um, making sure your kids are developed and discipled and fully know who Jesus is when they leave here. It's just like we want our kids to know how to do laundry and clean a house and clean a restroom or do um, make a meal. I'm not going to help your kids learn how to clean a bathroom, but (laughs) I will speak into and partner with you to make sure that your kids, when they turn 18 and they go beyond, that they know who Jesus is and fully understand what it looks like to have a community of faith around them and then go seek that out and help create that for others. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you, guys, for being a part of it. Would you guys thank them for for being a part of this morning? Thank you. So, so here's the temptation, I think, when, when we read the words of Deuteronomy 6. And like I said, I think if any of you have been raised in the, in the Church of Christ of any kind for any period of time and here at Greenville Oaks, we've referenced Deuteronomy 6 lots. And we talk about the idea of, of impressing upon your children, teaching them these things, writing them on the door frames, making sure that they're always aware of it. So mom and dad, you have a great responsibility to do this. Good luck. Make sure your kids grow up knowing the Lord. But I want you to read verse 10. Deuteronomy 6, verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. Do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So there's almost this this transition in in the scripture. I think it's really fascinating because we read those first nine verses and it really seems to be this idea of moms and dads and maybe grandparents. Make sure you teach your kids those really important things. Teach them about God. And then it's almost like there's a shift that said, okay, now for the rest of you, don't forget this. Those beautiful cities that you live in, you didn't build it. That great job you have, you don't deserve it. Your table full of food that you have, you didn't earn it. Be careful. Don't forget who did. And it's fascinating because if if we look at our mission and we look at Deuteronomy 10, 11, and 12, and you lay them side by side. Church, thousands of years ago, there was still a warning that says, it's really easy to get caught up in thinking that I'm going to go do all this. I'm going to go keep chasing after this incredible whatever it is. And it's real easy to forget As it says, 
the Lord. And so please don't read these words as just being nice, pretty, mommy and daddy reminder words for their kids. Because there's a powerful message for all of us to not forget who we are and whose we are. I think we've all been, hopefully at one time or another, mentored, coached, discipled, encouraged, walked with, journeyed alongside someone. If you haven't, I hope that you will find someone because it's really important. But if you have... I want to challenge you to think, who is that person or persons? Maybe there's more than one. Who's that person's name that pops in your head immediately when I say, who's the person that's discipled you? Who's the person that's walked with you? Who's the person that's poured into your life? I've had a few, but none more than Ina Withrow. Some of you may have heard me share this story before. Miss Withrow is what we called her. She was our third grade Bible class teacher at Austin Street Church of Christ. Ina Withrow was a discipler. I don't know back in 1985 if we were allowed to call her that or not, but she was. She was the discipler of third graders. For over 30 years, every Sunday morning, She was the first person that told me in third grade, Matt, I think you're going to be an incredible minister someday. I didn't even know what that really was. And then all through my third grade year, she encouraged me. And then I left and went on to fourth grade. And so she would forget and move on to her third grade. No, every Sunday she would come find me. She'd give me a hug. Asked me how things were going. As I grew up, every Sunday, every week, every month, she would send me a a note or check in with me at church. When I got into high school, um, periodically our student ministry would be in charge of a Sunday night service. And I would be asked to preach some little mini sermon or lead singing or something, and it was horrible. But she'd be the first. She'd beat my mom and dad to the front. She'd be the first one to come up and tell me, great job. I'm so proud of you. You're going to be a great minister someday. I don't know why she did it. She just did. I went off to college, and periodically I would come back, and she would always come find me. I got a call a couple weeks ago from my mom And uh, Miss Withrow died. It had been a few years since I had actually talked with Miss Withrow. But the moment she told me that, I instantly went back to third grade. And I went back to Sunday nights. And I went back to random moments in the foyer. And I went back to cards that I would get in the mail. She poured into me a love for God 
a love for ministry and an encouragement to follow Jesus Christ. Church, I hope you have that person that you can recall. I hope you've been blessed enough in your life to have that person or persons that's meant what Miss Withrow meant to me. Oh, if I had just had one more moment to be able to send her a note or call and say thank you. I'll never forget you. As we close this morning, like I'm going to do each week, I'm going to give you a challenge to go act on something. I don't want you walking out of this building without something you can go do in response to this morning. Last week, it was about love first. It was about finding that person that you struggled to love, that you wanted to try to to be willing to separate behavior in person and love a person that's hard for you to do, to reach out to them to take the first step. That was last week's challenge. You can still do that if you didn't do it this week. But this week, I want to challenge you with this. Would you reach out to that person that mentored you, that walked with you, that loved you, that spent time with you, that encouraged you, that formed faith in you? And would you send them a note and tell them how much they meant to you? This is one of those easier ones than last week. But the fact that it's easy, it's often something we don't ever get around to doing. And so this week, I want to challenge you to actually do it. Not say you're going to do it, not think about doing it, but actually do it. I've got my person in mind. It would be Miss Withrow, but I've got another person. Tell them what they meant to you and thank them for helping disciple you in your faith and knowing Jesus Christ. Because, church, that's what we want to continue doing. The words your children and your children's children and your children's children's children, then for on and on that they may know the Lord. Those are not just words for mom and dad. It's words for all of us. Because it's so easy to get focused on the cities that have been built and the food that we have and the wells that were dug and the olive trees that are sitting there and thinking we've somehow deserved it and have it and don't need anything else and we forget about God. And what our mission is going to be is don't forget about God and tell other people why they don't need to forget about God and be willing to walk with them so they can come to understand the abundant life that you can only find in Jesus Christ. That's our mission. And we want to equip each and every one of us as a family to go and be just that. If you'll stand with me, we'll close. I hope you'll grab one of these cards. I hope you'll commit to being all in. I hope you'll join us in whatever it is that God's going to do through you and through all of us as we move forward to be the church he's calling us to be. Fill out your card. Church, I hope you'll reach out to that person this week. I hope you'll identify that one man or woman that really was transformative in your life and your walk with Christ. Deuteronomy 6, verse 2, just a reminder. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, and that we will all love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our strength.
May God pour his richest blessings upon you today, and may we all experience the abundant life found in Jesus. God bless you all. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Make sure to give us a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.